Welcome to the King's Table. Welcome to the King's Table, a podcast of Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. The King's Table exists to help people know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. From the altar table to the dinner table, the conference table to the pool table, because Jesus is Lord over all. Hey guys, welcome back to the King's Table. My name is Rusty, and I am joined here today with Jeff and Matt. It's good to be with you guys. What's up? This week we are kicking off kind of our series into membership class 2.0. So last year we kind of revamped our membership class and re-recorded a lot of that and made some of the tweaks and changes that we've done through our elder retreat uh, the past couple of years. And what we found is is really, I think, helpful on-ramp for new members. But there's a lot of content in there that our current members um, and past members have kind of just absorbed in the process, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, what, <laughs> thanks, Philip. Um, I know you do. What we want to do is in membership class, kind of 2.0, is revisit some of those topics and just kind of uh, unpack it a little bit more in a very present sense rather than kind of an onboarding thing. And so, we figured that today the best thing to do would be to start with our name, vision, and mission. And really, wrapped up in the name is Christ the Lord Church. We made the transition to that name when we did this membership stuff. Um, and I think the best thing for us to do would be to unpack kind of our name. Why, why do we pick that name and what are we after there? So inside of that is, I think, clearly this picture of lordship. That's what we want to tackle. It's kind of do a deep dive on lordship. And, and specifically for an American audience, for all of the context and background that all of us come from, is what does it mean to live under a sovereign? We just we don't have that kind of picture. No, no, we don't. And I, I let me back up just a hair, and the, just the idea of name, and how how many churches choose silly, stupid names because uh, it might be catchy with the world, and not realizing that um, more important than even a vision statement is your name when it comes to the practicality of how it of what it communicates. Because the, who, the people and who it's identifying. Yeah, because your name says everything. I mean, the the good old days when it was First Baptist Church of this place said that we were Baptistic in doctrine and we were located in this place. And Baptistic in doctrine meant a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, it used to. It doesn't mean much of anything now. But but now, so when we say Christ the Lord, we're not using a catchy name. We're 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 making a declaration of war. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, uh, that, that that this is the Lord's territory, and those who are confused about whose territory it is, we're going to let you know whose territory it is. It's Christ the Lord's. He's not our Lord. He's everyone's Lord, mm-hmm. whether you recognize it or not. And so, when we think about what does it mean to live under a sovereign, that's what it means. He is sovereign, whether you recognize it or not. And our job as those who recognize the sovereignty of the king is to help other people recognize the rightful sovereignty of the king. Yeah. That's why we, because uh, we were playing around with the idea of just being Christ our Lord. And mm-hmm. that's, that's not the only thing that's true. He's the Lord. Yeah. 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 
So uh, some of kind of where we want to launch today, I guess, would be from Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. So it, it, he is. <laughs> he is that he is. It's almost kind of like a, a continuation of the Old Testament, I am that I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it has been declared so by God. This is the case. This is true reality. So for us, though, the question is not just that Jesus is sovereign, but the force kind of implication. We're we're, we're going beyond his ability. The fact that he's all powerful, the fact that he can control things, into his right to do so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one of the pieces that we've missed, even in the Reformed Church, is we, we have a heavy emphasis on sovereignty. But we, there's some forced implications that come with sovereignty that haven't been addressed. Yeah, funny yeah. story. My uh, last night at my home group, so our neighbors I've talked before on our other podcast called Pizza about my Jewish neighbors, and my son Judah is good friends with their son. And every time we have home group, they come over, and uh, Judah runs in and he's like, "Dad." we're arguing about whose God is the real God. And he's like, I said Jesus is God, and he said Yaffa is God. I was like, that's a restaurant. Yaffa Grill. <laughs> Yaffa Grill. I said, I said, you mean Yahweh? He's like, yeah, that's the one. I said, you go tell him that before Abraham was, I am. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll go do that. <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of the prophets of Baal. <laughs> yes. they, they ended up having a good conversation about it, actually. There's, uh, uh, I think, in a, in a good desire to to flesh out, um, you know, the attributes of God, His sovereignty, His immutability, and those kind of things. We we um, and to worship Him for those things, we tend to uh, almost disconnect worshiping like He He's He is these things because because that's Him. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's worthy of that, because it is overflows from his character, uh, or overflows from his being, rather, those characteristics. And so to to say that he is sovereign, there's a there's a sense in which where we can worship him for being sovereign, of which we should, but we should worship him that he has the right to be the sovereign. Like that's another aspect. Mm-hmm. That's uh mm-hmm. Maybe the the before the fact that he's sovereign is that he has the right to be sovereign. Yeah. So before he enacts his sovereignty, meaning like in a in a logical uh, thinking process here, he has the right to be sovereign. Mm-hmm. And, and, and well, why does he have the right to be sovereign? Uh, well, because he's the only holy, infinite, infinitely wise creator. Yeah. of all that is in existence, the cosmos. Mm-hmm. So he has a right because he's the only, because he's the one that created it. Yeah. He's the owner. Uh, and But then practically, he's the only one that has the ability to sovereign, uh, if you will. Well, that's, that's part of what I wanted to draw out in this is that for, for us as Americans, we just don't have a concept of, of monarchy yeah, uh, or, or theocracy in this particular case. But in, in the history of humanity though it's usually the inverse the king has the right but not the ability the power mm-hmm. right a lot of times uh you have some you know young monarch who's in power just because he's of the bloodline and everyone's like 
there are a lot of people that can he's not really the king his advisors are that type of thing yeah. this guy simply just has the right to be there but he doesn't have the kingly presence power and all the things that he's supposed to be able to do mm. and so for a lot of the world that's their understanding is well okay he's god but does he really have the power and that's where you start to run into some of these things like you know deism and say, hey, he's there, but he's distant and not really involved. Well, it's because they think he doesn't have power. Whereas for Americans, I think we run into this thing, well, we'll call him the the powerful one, and just like America has all of its military. But does he really have the right to mm-hmm. declare things over me? Yeah. Just by nature of who he is? Because that's, that's what monarchy looks like. Mm-hmm. Why does Queen Elizabeth have power? Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't want to maybe derail us here, but... Um, I think if there's any like office of Christ that's been emphasized over the past half a century or at least the past 30, 40 decades or 30 or 40 years um, has been the priestliness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's because we're in a, a more highly feminized culture and the idea of like priestly, caring, gentle, nurturing is a reality, and, and those are certainly true of Christ. That's well, uh, therapeutic deism. Exactly. Yeah. But as we're seeing in Hebrews, um, is that, uh, as we work through the book of Hebrews, is that um, Christ is both priest and king, the, mm-hmm. that that he sits in the throne room. This, this priest made a home in the throne room of God, and, and his kingliness... Uh, he he would not be effective as a priest if he was not also king. Hmm. He had to be both. Yeah. And so the, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yep. That's a good point. I think people also think, well, he operates in these different modes. Mm, that sure. He's, he's a priest, and I like that part of him being a priest. But if, if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we were talking, I think you said in your sermon on Sunday, he is gentle, and he's gentle all the time, mm-hmm. perfectly. And so in that he's these things, he's priest and king simultaneously at the yeah. same time. So you can't pick and choose and say he's more priestly today than he was, you know, kingly. Yeah. That's correct. Yep. Well, I hope that's helpful in kind of setting, you know, why we're, we're trying to tackle this particularly. Because mm-hmm. if we're going to explore then his right and the fact that he has the not just the power to do these things but um, or, or the ability to even do them, but the right – well, let's talk about what are his responsibilities. So if he's if he's Lord, what comes with that? Mm-hmm. What uh, does he do? What can we expect of him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, I think, would, would look at their life or look at the church or look at culture and say, I just, I don't really see God or I don't really see God at work. And, and this is what we want to say is that here's what he's up to. This is what he's he's about. There's there's a whole lot more that God is doing that we we just don't realize. Uh, we really want you to see Jesus is is being with us more presently, and and, and this is besides the uh, the therapeutic moral deism aspect of priestly indwelling Jesus. That's a huge part. Like the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is indwelling you. That's your power. All that by grace. Like absolutely. But God's at work in creation in His kingdom. Yeah. All the time, and these are the things that He's about. That's good. Yeah, I think that I think it struggles people. We just don't have eyes to see. Yeah, I think mean, I, I think we're so um, uh, trained to view things um, like like how uh, fast food is made or how a microwave works. Like we just 
we want to see it. We want to see it now. I want to see it before my eyes. And we don't, we don't understand that, that God, um, doesn't, he, sometimes he works that way. He's a God of seasons though. Yeah. He's he, a God of seasons. He's a God of millenniums. Yeah. And so he's, he's going, he's at work. You just, you, you might just need to step up and look a little more broadly mm-hmm. than, I mean, sure. If, if all you look at is the past morning and say, well, how do I, where do I see God at work? Um, yeah, that might be a little bit harder. I mean, I would still challenge you that you might have weak eyes, but, uh, you might have to look up a little bit beyond that. And you also might have to look outside yourself and not just look at like, how is God working on my behalf? Well, that's what you see in the Psalms. David has those questions, but then he gains perspective. Yeah. 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 Sarah and I right now are working through the Psalms and, um, you see him, you know, he hits the low points sometimes, but he, he always crescendos back towards, you know, but, but there is an inheritance for those who fear the Lord or, but but there is my rescuer for those who trust and obey him. You yeah. know, there's just always that refrain. If you and if you look at uh, what David is saying in the Psalms, how often, going back to this idea of seasons, how often do you see him referring to the stars, you know, the universe, animals, plants? It's all bigger. It's something much bigger. And you, you picture him watching sheep and, and, you know, writing this and feeling kind of small and insignificant in some way. But then he says, what is, what is man mm-hmm. that you're mindful of him? And so if you take a stroll in nature and look around, I was talking to my father this morning and he said, we're talking about pastoring. My dad's a pastor and talking about how um, nature does what its creator has commanded. So our cows and our dogs and our cats, you know. And, but God's greatest creation is always the one who, like Jonah, runs and jumps in the boat, but the fish obeys to swallow him. So understanding if God is working in all of this and we are unique, made in his own image, then there's something extra that God is doing in the world and there's a purpose and there's a plan. Yeah. Um, take a walk in nature. <laughs> well, and what's crazy is that we're going to say absolutely it's holy day of glory, all right? To, to yeah. God be the glory for all these things. But all of these things that he's doing are for our good. They're yeah. they're on our behalf, yeah. right? They're they're because we can't do them. They're to to bring us uh, pleasure in him. Mm. They're to to care for us, to build us up. All of these things are oriented towards us. Yeah, we've been saying this, and Matt, you said this in your sermon on Sunday. There's this um, God-shaped void, as it were, mm-hmm. that we try to put all sorts of stuff into, and there's no satisfaction there. That's because we were made to be with God. That's why, in the end. That's the treasure. Yeah. We get God, and that's mm-hmm. what we always wanted. That's why that's why salvation through Christ and the atonement is so significant because it brings yeah. us back to what we, we lost. And um, even now, sometimes we don't realize how much we want that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's where we're going to land today. This is, this is a king who's for his people, and his people are for their king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a good king, and our culture just absolutely refuses his rulership, and it's to their own destruction. He's mm-hmm. trying to bring good things to his people. Yeah. And they absolutely shoot that down. Yeah. So, but, but everybody wants a, everybody wants the benefits of the king, mm-hmm. but they don't want his rulership. Yeah. So I want the protection of the king. I want the riches of the king. I want to be able to live in the king, the, you know, the shadow of the palace or whatever. Um, but I don't want to um, be Follow subject. His laws. I don't want to be subject to the command of the king. I don't want to have to to march when he time when he calls up arms. Right. Yeah. Right. Is I was reading um, Narnia recently. 
the first book, Magician's Nephew. And I could talk a long time about this, but when Aslan, the great lion, is creating Narnia, there's two kids there. There's this other person that got roped in. He was a cabbie, drove a carriage. <laughs> um, he's kind of like, I don't know why I'm here, uh, but he figures it out. <laughs> and then you have Uncle Andrew. Yeah. Right, and Uncle Andrew looks around and he sees all this beautiful stuff being made, and Aslan singing. And as he's singing, the world is being created, and the rest of the characters are standing there in awe and in wonder. But Uncle Andrew refuses to believe what he sees. He hears him singing at first, but he's determined not to believe it because it doesn't make sense. And he also realizes that in this place, that lion is king, mm-hmm. and so that's a reality he has to deal with. And he loves the land. He loves the new country. But he keeps saying, if we could just get rid of that lion. Doesn't he have a hard time understanding mm. him too? Yes, he does. Because as he can, but as he continues to walk in that, he hears him at first. Uh-huh. Um, but then he loses his ability to hear him speak. And mm-hmm. so the, at the end of this you know, kind of sequence of events, it says that when Aslan speaks to him, all he hears is a snarl. Okay, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he can't even understand him. But because he's, yeah. he, I want what is, is being um, given here, but I don't want the lion because I recognize he's in charge here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like everyone wants a seat at the king's table. They yeah. just don't want the king to be present. <laughs> exactly. Because then you can monkey around. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, why? Well, because then, the you, then you get all the benefits of it while getting to feel like you're the king. Because when mm-hmm. the king is present, you're reminded you know it. All the that glories this, to him. it's all yeah. the glories to him and all of the sovereignty is to him and all the all the the beauty is his and you're just a beneficiary of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But when he's not present, it's easy for your mind to begin to play tricks, your flesh. Which is which is a, is a false kingship because the reality is, is when he is there, you get his glory. Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah, yeah. You get to share in it. That's why you I said you're a beneficiary. Yeah. But we're not satisfied with being yep. beneficiaries. Yep. Just like Satan, he he was not satisfied with being a beneficiary of of God's vast glory and goodness and and graciousness. He just he wanted it to be his. He yeah. wanted that glory for himself. Looked over his shoulder and said, "I want that." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God said. Positions taken. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Seats taken. Which is Seats what a taken, good buddy. king does. A good king yeah. says the rightful person should be in rulership. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So the first thing that we want to look at before we get to kind of a run through of responsibilities of king, and I think there's a lot of application wrapped up in those responsibilities that he has, uh, at least for us to recognize, because it's things he's doing, is kind of a, a, a biblical theology of Christ as our eternal king, because he is that. And it's the first thing that I have for us here is, he is appointed by God. This comes from Psalm 2, verse 6. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. That's it. The, the finitude with which God says and decrees that this is the case, and it is. And as we'll talk about in a minute, it is forever. Yeah, it, It's the same as creation. He speaks, and it is here. He decrees, and this is, this is what's up, because mm-hmm. that's what a king does. Yeah. And that's not our experience from our three branches of government, yeah. uh, from you know even other brand other styles and types of government that aren't you know the civil sphere but within churches and within homes yeah. i mean i can say something in my house and it doesn't mean that that's the case right? yeah <laughs> i think i think one thing that maybe kind of had has lent itself to people not bowing to his kingship in this is the overemphasis on accepting jesus into your heart like i i get to 
call those terms. So I, I can accept, I give you the right to have the I, right. I give you the right to have the right. <laughs> because like you said, like our branches of government, government and so on, it's a, uh, no one elects Jesus into office. Who, who put him in office? God appointed him, mm-hmm. right? And so <laughs> whether or not you feel like you want to invite him in, he goes wherever he wants, right? Yeah. The, the knock, Jesus knocking on the door, well, if he wants to kick it down, he will. That's a great point. You know, and I think that that has perpetuated that idea of I can keep him at arm's length mm-hmm. because I have to have this facade of, you know, um, autonomy or free will. Yeah. You know, yeah. it made me think of that, uh, that phrase, uh, you know, I might be the head of the family, but it's the wife that turn. it's the wife's that is the neck that turns the head. Turns the head. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, I mean, uh, we fancy uh, ourselves to I, be the next. I think functionally yeah. when we say, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm I give God the right to have the right to or have, however you said give that my life to Jesus I give you the right to <laughs> come into my life <laughs> right. it's like yeah Jesus is the head but I'm the neck that turns him right I mean that's just absurd but we'll no. say in the tra- that traditional sense the, that traditional prayer they'll say um, I come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior like you don't even understand what you're saying here <laughs> like he's our He's already right Lord. now. I'm going to exercise my sovereignty right. he to tell is Lord. you that you can come in and have sovereignty in me. Well, and then the the, the testimony goes. Well, I invited him to in my heart to be my savior, and now I'm finally making him my Lord. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's the way it flows. You're right. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, he's Lord uh, before you even uttered those words, right? And yep. he was your Lord. Your Lord. Uh, I'm just glad you finally decided to bow. Right, but that's what we. I mean, that's what you should say. I finally decided to bow to the lordship of Jesus. Yeah, I agree. That's what we're saying in our name. So on our sign, Mm -hmm. it's declaring, it's declaring the gospel, saying whether he, whether you think he's your lord or not, he is. Mm -hmm. That's why we didn't put our lord in there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. It. He is lord no matter what. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just last thing, want to just emphasize, he says it and it is. Yeah. And he's been appointed to that role. And we, when God speaks, it happens. And we don't understand the gravitas of that Hmm. because that doesn't happen amongst God's creation. It only happens from God who is outside of creation. Yeah. Because he is the rightful ruler over it all. Mm -hmm. He gets to do that. Yep, so if you're doing your theology on a napkin like we hope you are, uh, here we have, he has king by title, right? He's appointed yeah. by God. He is He is king. And then he is a king over a kingdom. He has a kingdom, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. This is John 18, 30, 36 through 37. Matt, you want to read that one? Yeah, it says, my kingdom, Jesus, Jesus answered here, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, Again, this is speaking a little bit back to the appointed by God, because Jesus is saying, When I speak, those who rightfully recognize or, or recognize my rightful sovereignty. Yeah. They they hear that mm-hmm. and they respond yeah. rightfully. 
And, and what he's is... saying is, Pilate, you're not responding. Right. So you don't get it. And, and all those, those idiots out there, they don't get it either. Mm-hmm. And this is not just a spiritual kingdom. That's right. Yeah. Right. This is what he's saying here as well. Like, look, listen, um, I'm Lord over it all. And that's that's a problem in our big kind of evangelical um, world that we live in is there's there, it's, it's spiritual. It's internal. Again, flowing off that it's my personal relationship with Jesus. So therefore, you really can't speak into that. Thus, there's no accountability in the church. Mm-hmm. There's no emphasis on covenant community, church discipline. And then then our lives are kind of a mess because we don't see the connection between what God has done inside and transformed that's supposed to then uh, make a difference outwardly in the things that we touch with our hands and, and, mm-hmm. and yeah. do with our life. Yeah, we, we don't, I, I think, you know, where I would go to in the scriptures here that it's not just spiritual, Jesus says the, the kingdom of heaven is upon you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so him, and, and wherever Jesus goes and his rightful rulership is present, uh, is where the kingdom of God is present. And so Christ, and then as we go, um, the kingdom of heaven is upon people. So uh, when, when I come home to my house, even with my lost uh, children um, that are in the mix there, and I walk in with Christ's rightful rulership, the kingdom of heaven is upon my kids. You plant that flag. Well, yeah. if, you've, if you've heard us preach, our, we're, we're pulling from Goldsworthy. Uh, Right, God's kingdom is God's people in God's place under His yeah, rule, and right. then and subsequent blessings or curse. It depends on if you're yeah. following the rule, right? But yeah, yeah, so I mean, you you bring that, you expand that kingdom as you go, uh, and as you make more citizens, uh, which uh, we'll we'll talk about in a minute. So we'll talk about extent as as some more as well. So he is a king by title. He has a kingdom that he rules over. Um, and he does this through actual government. Like he has law, he has mm-hmm. uh, uh, decrees that he brings to that kingdom. Then he's he's a king with a Magna Carta, as it were, historically. So specifically in the scripture, we're looking at it this way. He's ascended to his kingly throne because his kingdom is not just of this world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's ascended to his kingly throne at his ascension and proclaimed his government. So Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, period. Like that's another one of those decree type statements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the case. This is what it is. And a lot of times as we're doing the Great Commission, we already just skip this part. But even if we don't skip this part and talk about all authority, we still oftentimes miss the fact that this is the case. Like This is what's up. Mm-hmm. So then we also have Ephesians 1, 20-22. I just have some portions of each of those. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And he put all things under his feet. All. Mm-hmm. All things. What's the Greek word for all? All. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Jesus, I surrender this part of my life to you. <laughs> no, it's, it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. It's all or nothing. It's all of it. One of the strong implications of the throne room of God is uh, certainly the the kingliness, but the implication of that is the power. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that. The, the the sovereignty has the the power to do something about it. So he he doesn't just have the right, but the uh, the actual ability. Yeah. Um, the you know, when I think of power, I mean like look literally the strength. Like he's got the the force of power in his words yeah the force of power 
in his meticulous organizing and setting up of life events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, his meticulous ability to, uh, to wisely construct those. And then he has the power to actually ensure that each one happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has the power over whether or not that lug nut stays on that wheel mm-hmm. or the power of whether or not that tree falls in this direction or that direction. Uh, the power of whether the wind blows this way or that way. You know, a, a tree fell behind my house while a couple of my kids were home and Sarah and I were gone. And literally, if the tree would have fallen... Uh, it was a big tree. 180 was, degrees the yeah. other way. Your house it would have smashed. It would have smashed half my house and probably killed one of my kids. Yeah. Uh, but it fell the other way, right into the middle of an intersection where it became the city's problem, which... <laughs> is also sovereignty. God it's is kind sovereignty. to his children. <laughs> it is. I mean, the city needs lots more important things to put their time to than, you know, flying dumb flags and... Uh, you know, rainbows. <laughs> Go and chop stuff some like trees that. up, fellas. <laughs> Which, to their credit, I was thankful. The township guys, I, I, pref- I prefer to be in a township than a city, but that's another story. They came and took care of the tree for me. They that's even good. cut it up the part that was in my yard. That's so, good. That's nice. Actually earning their money. Well, and we'll say stuff like that, and people will be like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But I just, man, I don't think it sinks down into our heart. Like, those things are ordered by our, our great God. He is the one who sees all these things. A bird, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without him seeing it and, and sovereignly ruling over it. That's why I wanted to dive into this because it gets so much more meticulous. And, I, and I'm thankful for the general picture that we usually have in our systematics for Providence. You have kind of that sphere split up into thirds. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, underneath you have God's preservation. So he's upholding that. He's upholding all that is. You have his concurrence. He's in the middle, actively involved in all that's going on. Right. You have his government. He's transcendent over and ruling everything. He's involved. So we have that that full sphere picture that's really helpful. And that's classically what we hear. But getting into these meticulous details about how they actually apply and what he's actively about is something that we just are missing left and right. Yeah. We make it a practice at our dinner table to pray. My boys are picking up on this to thank the Lord. We thank you for this food. Thank you, you know, uh, for the hands that prepared it. Um, but ultimately, thank you for providing. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've lost a lot of that because there's not a... Well, Matt's got you got a little bit more of that um, kind of farm-to-table mm-hmm. thing, you know. Um, but you know that, that the Lord, you have work to do to take care of the chickens and yeah. take care of your cows. But ultimately, the Lord is the one who governs whether those things live or die or whether they produce meat or eggs or whatever. And so there's we've lost this... Um, if the, if it doesn't rain, if the Lord does not send rain, my family doesn't eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we try to connect that. You know, it came from the grocery store, you know, or whatever. But mm-hmm. ultimately, God is the one who has provided for us by yeah. His great hand. You know, twice in the past uh, three or four days, I've walked out with little Henry to my pasture where the cows were at, and we've talked about two things. We talked about we so we just moved them from one pasture to the next mm-hmm. and you guys saw the videos where they're yeah. all excited about being in the new grass and you got 1400 pounds of beef like green grass like prancing around like it's a you know like a pony or something <laughs> and they're not ponies <laughs> but no, we, we but, giant but we talk animals. about we talk about two things there um god's sovereignty over growing the grass yeah and how we've got this one field here that we need to let rest because we've used up a lot of its resources to feed our cows and we need to, we need to let it rest. 
Um, but then we, the second thing we, Henry and I've talked about is that, uh, you know, three of my cows are pregnant, um, mm-hmm. as you guys know, and, and how, if God doesn't bless those pregnancies, then that's beef that we don't get to eat and that we don't get to share with our friends. And, um, and, uh, you know, the, yeah, we just, we have to trust the Lord and his sovereignty over that. Um, and that's also why we're moving them from fields to, to the next field so that they can get the nutrition that they need. And, and we don't want to abuse the land and, and those kind of things. So, and how yeah, dare you exercise that good care over them without their consent? I know. We are so <laughs> oppressive. <laughs> so he has a government over his kingdom, and he I, is king. So beyond that, though, he has subjects. He has people inside of this kingdom that he rules over. So his subjects are his believing children. So Psalm 110.3 and Ephesians 1.22. Jeff, you want to read that one? Sure. I was reaching for a, a tissue, but I will blow my nose, but I'll read it. Uh, yeah, it says, Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning and the dew of your youth will be yours. Psalms 110, verse 3. And then Ephesians 1.22 and he gave him as head over all things to the church. Yeah, thank, so this this is not the whole world, right? Hmm. So his believing children, your people will offer themselves freely, right? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, That's, That's a huge deal. It's good. So we're talking about people who recognize a king and submit to his authority. So we're, we're limiting the scope there, and that, that tends to be a concern among people. Uh, aren't we all God's children? Are we all God's children? Yeah, just like all children are my children. All of them. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a that's a fatuous statement. Yeah, it is. Well done. <laughs> nice um, he's, he's been cracking open your thesaurus. No, he has it pulled up on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. But it's the only one I remember from that list. <laughs> I would agree with you. He had it written on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're to tackle some more about the the citizens aspect because that's a huge aspect when we talk about what is this king going to do with all the other kings. So we'll get there. So his subjects are his believing people. He's a king. He has a kingdom. He has rules for his kingdom. He has rules what? for his kingdom over his, his citizens. And then we want to talk now about how expansive is this kingdom. So it's not just not of this earth, uh, but it includes the earth. Right? Yeah. So the limits of his kingdom are the ends of the earth. You mm. see this in really our our commission um, beyond uh, Matthew 28 and Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and, well, to the ends of the earth. To the ends right? of the earth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Psalm 93.1 says the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. He is king over all the earth, to the ends of the earth. All that there is, he owns. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we need to think about that um, on two planes. You have like the geographical plane, which might be, maybe is that the X-axis? The horizontal plane. Yes, but <laughs> but but he's also on the vertical axis uh, axis uh, as well, meaning like the the depth of his sovereignty plunges to the deepest level, 
And sure. so uh, it's not that just, just that he is sovereign over territory and there happens to be things that happen in that territory that's outside of his sovereignty. But no, he's, he's also sovereign over every level within that territory as well. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, he's indeed sovereign over all. He owns the world and he will restore all of the world to its rightful order. So he's, he's, he's working on that. This includes, and so when I say like different levels on a vertical spectrum here, this includes the home, it includes self-governance, it, it includes uh, social acceptabilities, mm-hmm. uh, which in our world right now seems to be going a little haywire, but he is still sovereign over that, and he is he reigns over that, and he will correct all of that one day. Uh, I think one of the ways he's correcting social acceptabilities right now is uh, you see the how ludicrous certain things are, like like the trans movement and stuff. You you have thoroughly pagan people right now who who don't care about God or His order that are waking up, if you will, to how ludicrous. Luda. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's all I could think of. I'm just going to start yelling that at, at people. Luda! <laughs> oh, it is ludicrous. How, how, how crazy this is. Yeah. How asinine it is. Uh, so I, I think it, you can see that in some ways the trans movement is doing us a favor mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's helping those beyond who have actual ears to hear what the Lord is saying. To, to people who don't care about what the Lord is saying can see that this is just plain crazy. Right. It's just nuts. But but my point is, is he's, I think that's an example of how we can see him sovereignly ruling over that, uh, even that level, or things like he, he rules over the governing laws and over uh, state heads. They, they all are still under his lordship. There are pawns being moved here and about yeah. to accomplish God's great sovereign plan. Yeah. yeah, that takes us back to Psalm 2, verses 8 through 12. It says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. This is God to Jesus. Yeah. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, mm-hmm. and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Mm. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he... Uh, be angry in his anger you perish on the way for his wrath is quickly kindled blessed are all who take refuge in him yeah it is all his and he is coming to uh, knock it all down because the god the father has given this to christ as his inheritance yeah i think uh, another example i'd give for that is um this this great uh, american experiment uh and democracy and all in which i love the, lots of those things um but I think you see the Lord breaking it with a rod right now, um, because of because of our unrepentance. Yeah, well, we're being uh, ruled by the foolishness with which we run yeah, our own lives. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a good point. It makes me. You were talking about about all these things are subject to him. It makes me think. You know, recently celebrating Good Friday and reading a lot more um, the trial and crucifixion of Jesus and Caiaphas pr- didn't know it. It says he, he prophesies, not even knowing it or. Pilate thinking he has such rule and Jesus saying you would not have this authority over me unless it was given to you mm-hmm. by my father and how often that we think that we wring our hands about ultimately who's in the White House and all those things are important but man if the resurrection is true it's gonna be okay 
It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay, man. And for others, it's not going to be okay. It's not. No, it's not. They're getting their okay right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a delightful okay that they're happy with. No. Dude, right? Well, that's it, man. We were, <laughs> what you're saying, Matt, is it's, you know, as we, as we like to borrow this phrase from um, guys like Doug Wilson, it's Christ or chaos. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that. You see in Romans 1, you see in Romans 2, without... Without this creator, which is, we, we touched on this earlier, he's a good king, right? Mm-hmm. Without that, you're mutilating, literally people are mutilating their bodies trying to find some kind of an identity. Mm-hmm. And and submission to this sovereign king is understanding that he's also a good king, you know, who brings meaning, purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it reminds me so much of uh, reading recently the boys about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And how they cry out for Baal to answer. They cut themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they dance until they're exhausted. And he ain't that, coming. That's, that's what I was... Uh, like, there used to be a day when the general culture would look back on examples like you just gave mm-hmm. where they're mutilating their bodies yeah. uh, for a god. And we would say, well, that's well, that's crazy. Why are they doing right. that? Why would you do that? Well, I mean, th- the only difference now uh, is that instead of going to something called a temple... You just go to a hospital. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. It's crazy, man. So he is a king. He has a kingdom. He has a throne of which he proclaims his government. He has citizens. He is king over a space, which is all the earth and all that there is. And finally, the duration of his reign is eternal. There is no end to this reign. There is no end to this king. It used to be. Uh, being excited about being of the same line of a kingly line, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly when we think about England um, or even France and other kingdoms like that. But in this particular case, this king doesn't stop, right? Yeah. So Luke yeah. one thirty three, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mm-hmm. And then I, I love these two passages from Revelation uh, eleven fifteen and seventeen fourteen. Uh, Jeff, you want to read those two? Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And they will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and those with him are called the chosen and the faithful. Man, that's that's based. Yeah, <laughs> that's so. I just got chills. <laughs> no, that's so that, good. That's the thing is, is there are other kings and kingdoms out there, and yeah. they will fall. They will make war, mm-hmm. but he will conquer them. I was. Uh, I just finished um, uh, "Gates of Fire" by Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, it's a historical fiction uh, about the Battle of Thermopylae, Spartans, Persia, and there was a piece in there where they're talking about. Leonidas, the Spartan king, and also Xerxes, the Persian king, that their main focus was um, continuing their line, continuing mm-hmm. their lineage. Like that was, if they didn't have male heirs, they were screwed. Yeah. Right. And um, and it was it was their main purpose because if their line ended through um, either they didn't have any male heirs or there was treachery and they were killed off, like that was it. Um, and then their nations would fall into chaos. Uh, but this king. Um, this son, this heir, his kingdom is forever and ever. 
Well, that's an important component that we uh, don't talk about a ton is that when we think about how we are adopted in, we're in all, both genders adopted in as sons. Mm. And that means something. Yeah, you're right? an heir. It's that kind of heir aspect. Mm-hmm. So it's good, man. So that is uh, the kingdom, right? So he is our eternal king. This is what he rules over. This is the extent, all that. So what does he do within this kingdom? That's what we want to talk about with a last a uh, little bit and in here if we can try to there's not a ton of application in the sense of like go and do because this is what god is doing for us right so this should drive you to to what you just said after reading those revelation passages this should drive you to worship mm-hmm. yes uh, most of these should drive you to trust and faith and worship that's that's going to be the primary kind of application but we want to try to draw out bits and pieces of real life where we see this kingdom coming right mm-hmm. where that dominion is spreading uh, where Christ and his people under his rule are bringing this about. So I'm going to fly through these. Um, I have a picture that you can see in the, in the show notes to show you kind of how we see these things kind of wrapped together for our napkin theology. But responsibilities of a king. Number one, leadership. Leadership. The king is responsible for providing strong and effective leadership to his people. Yeah, when I, when I think of leadership, um, Russ, I, I think of kind of in two aspects, uh, first kind of a theological aspect and then a second a wisdom aspect, and, and it really in that order. Uh, first on a theological aspect, uh, where do I want to take my people? So, so God has a theologically driven end goal in mind, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we see that unfold through the scriptures, and we know there is more history to be unfolded toward that end. Um, but then the second is kind of a, a wisdom step, and that is assessing the current position and then asking, like, where does that go? Mm-hmm. Where does this head to? And then adjusting course as necessary based on your answer to both of those questions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and it's the wisdom of how do I, how do, I do this? And so, so God, God doesn't put the tree in the garden and then adjust course because he made a mistake, <laughs> but he puts the tree in the garden knowing that they're going to choose to eat from it. And he's already got, because he's, he's already got his theologically driven end goal in mind, which is his glory ultimately. Mm-hmm. And then he assesses in that moment. I mean, he assessed before it actually happened, but he said, they're going to be at this point in history. And, and, and in order to, uh, to get them to hear, what am I going to have to do? I, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to cover their shame and deal with their sin through the death of my son, and I'm going to foreshadow that by the uh, this animal that I'm going to kill and, and cover their nakedness cover. with. Mm. So, which that I mean that leadership that's how it should apply in our own lives, in our own marriages, as we lead our families, and uh, so on and so forth as well. The most practical component of this for your napkin is this: like the theological component is what are your convictions? Right? Yeah, we get those from the word. Yeah. What are your convictions, and then what are you going to do with them? Yeah, wisdom, right? Yeah, yep, absolutely. And then second aspect is protection. The king must protect his people from external threats and maintain the safety and security of his kingdom. So the king is like a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. He's he's the uh, he's not just the one that stands at the the gate and warns people that the enemy is coming. The enemy is coming, but 
but he actually is the one that raises and lowers the gate. Well, it is the wall. Like on on the drawing, you'll see a wall going around all of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a protection that you find within the kingdom. Yeah, and an and a, an overbalance of the as we talked earlier of the priestly role of Jesus, or the gentle side of Jesus, which is all a part of what he is, but an overemphasis of that has caused us to neglect this protection gatekeeping king that goes to war for his people yeah which then has informed uh, in particular christian men mm -hmm. on how they are to um engage with with these kinds of dangers and protect and gatekeep their families gatekeep the church gatekeep society yeah right and that's why we have a bunch of bunch of pansies running around it's a little similar to proverbs 25 28 a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls yeah and so yeah. when you have an, uh, a lack of a full picture of Christ, it's the same thing as being without walls. Yeah. Like somehow we've, we've gotten into this, if we think about particularly men and their homes here, we've gotten into this uh, kind of dance where we just kind of got to dance with the enemy. And we dance with the enemy by not calling foolishness foolishness when we're sitting around the dinner table. You know, my, my kids my kids were asking me at, at dinner, um, Dad, is uh, such and such church, and they named a, a Presbyterian church on the other part of town, uh, they're like, Dad, is that a good church? <laughs> and I said, yeah. He said, it is, is, is it as good as a church, as good of a church as ours? And I said, nope. No way, son. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> they laughed. And then the follow-up question was, um, Dad, are any churches as good as ours? And I said, nope. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, cool. <laughs> All right. I, and I said, I thought I was like, as it should be. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, or or things like um, you should have said, yeah, that Presbyterian church is good. They're wrong in ways we expect Presbyterians <laughs> to be wrong. Right. But they're a good church. That's right. I <laughs> go just, there for a shower. Or, or here's a, here's a here's another here. Maybe here's a better example. Um, uh, at at their school, they call the auditorium a sanctuary, and y'all know my disdain for calling the auditorium a sanctuary, and I won't get into my reasons here. But I told them, Lord, prepare <laughs> me. <laughs> To be a sanctuary. You know, I'm fine with that song other than it sounds gay. It is. It does. <laughs> Especially you singing it that way. I was singing it like that on purpose, just for you. <laughs> for the edify your little heart. And I just said, I said, boys, it's foolish to call it that. And here's why. Right. Uh, because I don't want to go back to the old covenant. And so I found out later my son was challenging his teacher. <laughs> on calling it a sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's good. Be ready to present it He's properly. He's and learning to pick his battles at the same time. <laughs> well, well, that was the next conversation was, son, probably not argue with her in the middle of class right. when that's not the topic right. of conversation. Prepare yourself, girl, and ask to have a meeting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great, man. Son, that's foolish. Yeah. That's foolish. That's yeah. good, man. So uh, on these things, we... Protection is a chief responsibility of the king. It's up to him to lead out in that, to set it up, to ensure that for his people. But he enlists us in these things too. Now, again, we're going to talk about our responsibilities separately. 
But briefly, we've talked about how we, we do reflect God in these things, like with leadership, our convictions, and then into wisdom. So how do we briefly mm-hmm. reflect God here in protection? Yeah, so where I had started with, with that little diatribe I was on was that uh, somehow, as men, we've we've gotten into this like posture where we got to like dance with uh, evil and foolishness. Slow dance just, with the devil. Yeah, instead of just calling it what it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna tell my 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 family, my wife, and my kids that is just foolishness. Mm-hmm. Or that's just pure evil. Yes. And we don't partake in that. And I think like, that I'm makes, not gonna dance with it. That makes so much I, more sense with a classic picture of monarchy and government, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when you think about the wars and you have, you know, the English and the French and the Americans against the the, the Germans, like you don't kind of screw around together, right? No. <laughs> you shoot them. No, yeah. <laughs> that's no, it. you don't yeah, you don't just sit there and and, and hey, you know, can we can we have a conversation? When I'm s- not going to have a conversation. When you see yeah. the other tribe coming over the hill ready to take your stuff and kill your family. <laughs> hey, right. hey, hey, hang on, hang on. Let's be winsome. Yes. I mentioned I was talking to my father this morning and we were talking about just some of the craziness in the world. And I said something about um I said it's just crazy. And I just kind of in one of those moments after we had shared some facts about the transgender agenda and so on. And I said, it's just crazy. And my dad said, it's demonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's evil. It is. It is. And we've got to use that kind of language. We got to speak straight. I think that's a part of protection our, and, and mirroring our, our king who protects. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the reason why um, our world has gotten to playing patty cake with evil is because the men have been castrated. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've called the men evil and wonder why they won't protect. Yeah, we've uh, what's that phrase? We've we've made them into geldings. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then and bid them to be fruitful. Yeah, and we we take away all their armory and and their swords, and then and and demonize them for having them, and then wonder why we've been broken into. Yeah, <laughs> sending Faramir out into the field and then wondering why he didn't take the city. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah. And making so, well, just making men feel like they are uh, they have to apologize for what God created them to be. Absolutely. That's true. And then I would follow that up, Matt, by saying this, the same thing in the church, mm-hmm. protection for the church. That Paul doesn't say play patty cake with wolves. Sure. <laughs> My grandfather was a shepherd. He had sheep, and he didn't patty cake with coyotes. He didn't ask questions. Mm-hmm. He shot them. Yep. And then he asked questions later. <laughs> Because right. yep. coyotes and wolves eat sheep. They do. Right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how much more plain you can get. And Paul's not playing patty cake. He says, cast them out. You know? Mm-hmm. Get oh, rid of them, man. Oh, man. Maybe you should get a live trap and catch them so you can take them to the preserve down the road. No, you, no, you go and you get varmint ammo. <laughs> That's right. And you shoot those suckers. And in fact... Grandpa used to get together with local farmers, and they'd go on a on a, a varmint hunt. Oh yes, and anything was that was a varmint was uh, shot at. So to to keep us on theme with that, so what we're saying by not doing that is that we disagree with our king on his diplomacy, which yes. we'll talk about in a minute specifically. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we disagree about who the enemy is. And aren't mm-hmm. you thankful that your king um, saddles up <laughs> and straps on the sword? Yeah, he does. To fight against evil and, and, and the, the powers of darkness mm-hmm. to, to bring you back to what you should have been. And yet we, we have to 
have to slow dance with the devil on these things. Yeah. Because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. <laughs> right? Yep. You well, sure are grateful for what Jesus did for you. That pushes us into justice. So the king must ensure that justice is served fairly and impartially throughout his kingdom. As justice, if you look at your napkin, sits underneath the king. So the king represents the government. Yes. And so his government represents him. It's mm-hmm. his character, right? As we think biblically, the law of God represents the character of God. It is who he is and is is passed to us in there. But we're no longer under the law. We're no longer under the law. The law has been fulfilled. Aren't we supposed to like throw that away, Matt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get me started. No, start. That was totally bait. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> don't get him started. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't push it that far. <laughs> Rusty's like, no, no, hang on. No, you, you're the gonna, show's gonna wait, get away from wait, me. Wait, you're not gonna, you're gonna sidestep that. <laughs> I, I am. I what am. You, you have self control. We're gonna have an entire episode on Romans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for membership 2.0, suffice it to say that we are to follow the law of God. It represents Him, and He is to ensure that justice is served. So if yes. it's not in keeping with who He is. It's not just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what so, does David say? So, he delights in the law of the Lord. So what does that mean for your coyote, for your wolf? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's where that authority for the picture comes through. Yeah. It's a and, carrying out of the king's will and his justice. Mm-hmm. An yeah. eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's the Sermon on the Mount, right? That, that's the law of the kingdom. And you yeah. see how those things play out. You have the Beatitudes, but you also have wrapped up in there. Uh, the, the expectations for us on justice, the expectations for us on care for people, mm-hmm. yes, the expectations on our giving of our life for Him, right? Yeah, yep. It's yeah. all wrapped up into that. And we should want this for our households, for our churches, and we should want this for our cities and for our nation and for the world. This mm-hmm. is good law. This yes. is good justice. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up then would be welfare. So the king must take care of the well-being of his subjects. Ensuring that they have access to basic necessities such as food, shelter, health care. I have some verses that I'd, I'd love to share on this, but what are your thoughts on, on how he cares for us? Not just as good, we've been talking about that, but where where do you see specifically our king and our culture and our church really ensuring our well-being? Because a lot of people would look at our culture and be like, ah, I feel like he's he's waiting to show up on the on the on the fifth day, right? He's going to come over the hill finally. Then it will be good. Then who will take care of us? But how is he taking care of us now? <laughs> well, I would say not through the healthcare system. Not that welfare. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't capitalize healthcare there. I mean, and I'm not dissing on good doctors and and those kind of. They're certainly faithful, sure. good, good medical professionals, and and so on and so forth. It's more of a diss on the. Uh, uh, the whole healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Um, You're saying that but, a lot but, of these things are the church's job, but yeah, what well, I think healthcare is the family's job. Yeah, um, that's, yeah that's true. Is just through the home, but but uh, man, I I have such a um, I'm so thankful for the unique uh, perspective the Lord's given me in this realm with um, you know getting to harvest eggs from chickens that I have like. I get to see the Lord's welfare for me practiced uh, on on a daily basis. I, I asked my kids this morning, "Did you all get the eggs last night?" Um, and of course, you already heard me talk about the cows and those things. Like that's seeing the Lord's uh, providing me access to to good uh, to my necessities. Mm-hmm. Um, now, 
Uh, we also have to remember that the provision that the Lord makes for our welfare comes through His grace of putting our hands to the plow. So pause. That's why on your note, your handout, you'll see in the show notes that the bread is connected to the bag of money is connected to the music note. So welfare, economy, and culture, the next, these three things that we're talking about next are all revolving around each other. Yeah. They're very much dependent on each other and they feed each other, but that's where we see that it's not a zero sum game. Yeah. Right. We see growth in all yeah. of these things. So my example for you, you go, you take care of chickens and collect eggs my favorite things to do are that when I complete like a, a woodworking project and I go give that to a client and they hand me cash, right? Mm-hmm. They don't pay me on Venmo or whatever. They hand me cash and then I take that cash and I go into the store yeah. and buy eggs yep. <laughs> or buy milk That's and good. I feed my family with woodworking yes. directly. Yep, absolutely. That's, That's economy. And so I'll go ahead and read that as we blend these things together. The king must oversee the economic affairs of his kingdom, ensuring that trade and commerce thrive and that is people prosper. So I don't I don't sow into the ground for my food. Mm-hmm. Right? I create out of material and resources of the kingdom that is available to me and then I receive my well-being mm-hmm. and basic necessities. Yeah. Next, you just need to take that money from from your woodworking and instead of ha- handing it to a a pagan grocer, you can come buy it from me. You can come buy your eggs from as, me. As soon as all of your chicks are producing, we're in. All right. This awesome. podcast good. is sponsored by Matt McBee's <laughs> Boutique Farm. <laughs> Chap <Boutique> Chicks. Farm. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Welfare, economy, You can take culture. the pagans' money for the wood you made for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. But then you need to share that goodness over here. No, Absolutely. I agree. Well, that builds up the, the individual kingdom. So tie the third thing together, and we, we can riff on these a little bit if we want. The king is responsible for preserving the cultural heritage of his kingdom and promoting the arts and sciences. So culture for the kingdom is going to, I think, obviously, largely be driven through the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is going to cover uh, a multitude of different disciplines, though. This is not just the worship and singing that we do on Sunday. Although it may be principally that, <laughs> at least in this particular kingdom. Uh, but this is going to move into every aspect of uh, what your economy means, what your job means, what it produces, what it provides in a cultural sense for people. And so it's not just that you produce code, you produce code that betters off the culture, drives us to a specific end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. It's interesting to see... As you think of culture and art in particular, art is always on the cutting edge of declaring where a culture is going. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting to look around at some of the bizarre and incredibly pagan, uh, I mean, there's always been that in art. And music. And music, but in particular, things that are celebrated now, yeah. showing where our, what our culture is, is literally making statues, monuments. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a sense, and in a sense, in lauding these things, bowing down to them, yeah. um, you know, and just bizarre stuff mm-hmm. in our uh, in our city squares, mm-hmm. you know, it's just baffling. And, and I know you mean literally things like words we probably shouldn't say on here. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's what's being created. But what I yeah, what like I've, statues that look like penises. There it is. <laughs> and no, I'm serious though, man. The thing if you look around and you. You know the the um, 
Oh, they're melting down the purity rings into a, a silver vagina. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. What's being What's being celebrated? Is so they're calling. Bizarre. So this kind of goes back up in the justice. They're calling what is good evil and what is we're, evil we're good. good. Correct. So for us though, the idea of art and of culture is all about human flourishing. That's yes. the language that we're trying to use. Mm-hmm. That's what we are trying to promote. That's what he is in charge of overseeing. And all of this is going to be revolving around our work and around our provision. And all of these are fed from justice, from from the law, from mm-hmm. the law of the kingdom, yes. the character yeah. of the king. That's right. Now, in most monarchies, there's a couple other kind of things that they will oversee. Uh, for instance, religion. Um, but we've already taken care of that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is unique in a sense here with a true theocracy, with the true theos. Mm-hmm. That's that's all wrapped up in there. And so that really runs through his justice, his law, and then his care for his people. So we can kind of skip over that one. But then I think uh, a good one to kind of bring us to a close is some of that diplomacy aspect. Uh, as we look at diplomacy and succession. So in diplomacy... We, we talked about how we relate then to outsiders. And if we're not all children of God and we're not all his citizens, then how does diplomacy work? Because the definition we have for this is the king must engage in diplomacy with other kingdoms and maintain peaceful relations with his neighbors. That would be the general picture of a king, right? How does our king engage in diplomacy? He does in Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then Revelation 17, we read these earlier. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. So it's not like all the nations agree about this at the UN. (laughs) No. Or... Or stuff like that, or they're allowed to do what they want to do, as long as they're nice to us. No, that kind of thing. No, this Psalm is, two says that's not the not, not the case. It's not the case. They'll be shattered like potter's vessels. Yeah, because they they rock. think they in folly think that they can break away. Let's mm-hmm. break uh, his bands asunder and cast away his cords from us. And yep. what does it say? He in, sits in the heaven, laughs. Laughs. Yep. And Jesus yeah. says, I, I, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Mm-hmm. He will mock them all to scorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this diplomacy is a little more like world dominion. Like, this is, he will have dominion over it all. Now, that sounds really harsh. Yeah. But where is it Where is it rooted in, first of all? His law. His law. His, his character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who he is. Of which he has the right to rule over it all. He does. And so anyone who would see it as harsh mm-hmm. doesn't belong to his kingdom. And is missing a very key point because the diplomacy doesn't end there. There's a succession plan that has to do with diplomacy, right? So a king must also plan for the future of his kingdom by ensuring a smooth succession of power to the next generation. Now, we don't we don't have that, right? Because he is king forever. Mm-hmm. So how does succession play out here with diplomacy? Well, diplomacy, in our case, if you look at our uh, our show notes for you, you'll see the, the cross at the top. Our king has made a way for you to enter this kingdom mm-hmm. yeah. to become one of his citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a way for you to cross the English Channel and become an Englishman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's right. There's a way for you into this place, and then you get to be a part of this kingdom forever under this king forever mm-hmm. with all of the 
heirs because he makes his people yeah. heirs. That's mm-hmm. the succession plan. Yeah. And so we end at sitting at the the wedding supper of the Lamb yeah. at the great feast in the celestial city. The king's table. Mm-hmm. A very, very, very big one. At yeah. the king's table. That's yep. going to be an awesome day, man. <laughs> That's going to be such an awesome day. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to raise a glass to the king. To the king. To, to the, the king. king. To the king. So we hope that this has uh, encouraged you. Uh, there's there's a lot that God is doing. <laughs> He's not lazy. He's not on the on the on the pooper as the the Baal worshippers. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're appealing to their God. Uh, he wasn't. God's not asleep, right? Our God it sends the fire, burns up the whole offering and all the water around it. He is He is living and active. Mm. He is for you, uh, if you are His, and He is a good King. So. There's a lot of responsibilities that the king has. They are vast and varied. Uh, it requires a strong and capable leader, and our God is that. And he can balance the needs of his people. He's not overwhelmed by that. He can handle all the demands of his position because he rules and reigns, right? That's right. Amen. Yep. Amen. Amen. So Christ is our Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And he is the Lord. Amen. And as always, we really hope that this has been helpful to you, that it's been encouraging, but also challenging. It really pushes you to understand that there's a king who has a right over your life. Whether you like it or not. And you will like it. He's a good king. He is a good king. He's so a good king. so stop kicking. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, look up to the celestial city. Amen. And you will you who who will ascend the hill? Well, we can. Amen. Right? That's right. But as always, I want to encourage you to know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all, because he is. And we will see you next time. See you guys. See you guys.